My name is Kira Smale. I'm a certified life coach and the owner of Ignite Your Light Coaching. It's a little bit after seven here. Um, and we're going to go ahead and get started. For those of you who are on the call, if you are muted, um, that's totally cool. I understand a lot of times we get on these calls and we have life happening around us. So no worries. I'm not going to mute anybody on the call because the last time I did that, I had a little bit of a challenge with unmuting and then people couldn't hear me and couldn't tell me they couldn't hear me. So I'm not going to do that. Um, if you have any questions throughout this call, please feel free to either type them in the chat or to ask them um, live. You know, I'll pause at different times and there'll be definitely a moment for you guys to ask questions. Other than that, I just want to let you guys know that I'm super excited for you to be here tonight for our Zoom webinar, our virtual event called Master Your Emotions. I am recording this, so if you, uh, hopefully, you know, those of you who are on the call live can hang with me for the next hour, but if you do have to jump off or if you hang with me for the next hour and you want to send this call to someone who you think could benefit from the information or you want to review the information after we've gone through it, you'll have the recording because I'll go ahead and I'll send that recording out to you via email if you registered through Eventbrite and I have your email as well. I will post it in our Facebook uh, um, event invite. So if that's how you responded to this, you can see the recording there too. In addition, I'm going to be screen sharing with you tonight, as you can see on your screen right now, a little workbook for this workshop. That's something else I can also email to you if you would like. Again, I'll probably post that in the uh, information or send it via email as well. So you have a copy of it. All right. So again, my name is Kira Smale. I have been a certified coach, uh, certified life coach now for over a decade, working with hundreds of clients. And um, I'm super excited to speak with you guys tonight about this subject because of all the subjects or all the topics or questions, themes that I get that, you know, people share with me in coaching, the whole area of emotional state or, you know, the emotions that we feel, the emotions that we deal with comes up a lot. So I talk about this thing. Um, you're going to hear me use kind of intertwined inter, um, throughout our, our time tonight, the word emotions and emotional state. And so just in case you haven't heard me um, use that phrase before, what I mean when I say emotional state is that we're always feeling something. So we are always experiencing some type of emotion. That is called an emotional state. We're always in some type of emotional state. You know, there's all different kinds of emotional states. If you have trouble thinking of an emotional state or if you're still kind of scratching your head saying, oh my goodness, what is this thing called an emotional state? Well, another word for emotions is feelings. So think about different feelings that you feel, what you're feeling right now, what you felt an hour ago, what you, you know, felt at best times of your life, what you felt at the, you know, more challenging times of your life, right? Feelings are part of our emotional state, or that really is our emotional state. Okay, so let's start with some of the basics today. We're going to dive in and, and just to kind of set this up for you guys, this call is going to lay the foundation for you with a, um, a coaching foundation that I teach one-on-one -on -one to my clients. I teach when I'm certifying the individuals who go through my life coaching certification program, those who want to learn the skill set, possibly become certified so that they can do it as a career or add it to an existing career. So we're going to start with um, a coaching foundation, okay? 
And then we're going to move into some tools and techniques that you can use regarding the subject of mastering your emotions. So my goal is for you to leave this call with a greater understanding of what emotional mastery is, as well as some actual tangible tools that you can use in your life so that you can begin to practice, you know, this ongoing, as you're going to hear me say again later in the call, the never ending practice of emotional mastery. So we're going to jump right in here. Um, before I refer to what's on the page, I do want to just also add in that there's all different types of coaching out there. I'm a certified life coach. I hesitate sometimes to use that term of life coach because it comes with a lot of different um, perceptions and assumptions because there's so many different types of life coaching out there. So just to give you a really quick uh, insight into my world of coaching or what my methodology of coaching is, is I'm very much about studying human behavior and the mechanics behind it. In other words, why we do what we do. So although we're each unique individuals, we have different experiences, we have our unique stories, for the most part, we're all wired the same way, okay? and. You know, we all have the same central nervous system, right? However, the challenge is we don't come with instruction booklets. And I say the challenge is that we don't come with instruction booklets, although it works pretty nicely in my favor because that's what I do as a coach. So for over a decade, starting with myself as I started in coaching as a client, that's what I've done is I've studied the mechanics of human behavior, learned about human psychology, you know, worked with hundreds of people to see that, you know, we all, although we are unique, we are all very similar in the fact that there's a reason why we do what we do. Okay? It's just that we don't necessarily know that. And more importantly, once we know that we don't know, we don't know how to change it if we don't like what we're getting in our life. So, if I had to describe my methodology of coaching, it would be to teach, right? Nothing that I do is magic. Nothing that I do is um, probably going to be totally mind blowing to you because so much of coaching is really, really simple and um, really, you know, almost common sense in theory. You know, people understand these principles and these foundations very, very easily. It's not the understanding where we get stuck. This is, and guys, this will be your first takeaway from the call. Anything that you learn through coaching, it's not the learning or the understanding where we get stuck, okay? It's the actual application. So I'm sure you guys have all heard the, the famous little phrase, you know, knowledge is, uh, knowledge is power, right? So I don't really say that, nor do I totally believe that because I think you can know a whole bunch of stuff However, if you know something and you don't do anything with that knowledge, right? In, in other words, if you don't use what you know, if you don't put that into action, if you don't apply the knowledge, then knowledge is not power. Knowledge is wasted space, wasted time, right? So the magic, the secret in the sauce there is once you know something, once you understand something, it's actually applying it and putting it into practice. That's why when I said, you know, let me frame how this call is going to go for you tonight, it's really important to me that, yes, I provide you guys with information. You leave feeling like you're more knowledgeable about emotional mastery. But I also want you to take away tools and techniques that you can use to start to apply this in your life. All right, so let's dive in here. Here we are on page one, master your emotions. The number one thing uh, area, roadblock, speed bump, whatever you want to call it, where we get stuck with our emotional state is this thing called control. 
Okay, so let's start from square one here. What is actually under our control? Because here's the deal, guys. The definition of stress, or when anything is not going quite the way that we think we want it to go or would like it to go in life, oftentimes the challenge is we're trying to control something that is out of our control. So a really, a really, you know, this is not from Webster.com uh, or dictionary.com. We could look up that definition as well, but a really basic definition of stress is trying to control what is out of your control. Okay. And there's a lot, there's so much that is out of our control. Trust me, I don't like to say that out loud. I don't like to, to look at the stuff that I try to control that's out of my control, but it's the truth, right? However, at the same time that there's so much that's out of our control, there's so much, if we choose to look at it this way, that's under our control. And here's what, and here's the, the categories of, of what's under our control, okay? Right on, on the page in front of you, there's four categories of things that are under our control, okay? So it, it's what we think, what we say, what we feel, and what we do. So I'm going to say that one more time, guys, four areas of our, of our life that are under our control. It's what we think, what we say, what we feel, and what we do. Notice that I did not say it's what our kids do. <laughs> Boy, do I know that really, really well with them being a mom of five kids. Okay. I didn't say it's what our kids do. I didn't say it's what the weather's going to be. I didn't say it's what the president of the United States is doing, and I'm going to leave that just there. We're not going to get into any conversation about politics, but notice I didn't say any of those things, and the list could go on and on and on about what I didn't say, okay? Because this is the truth. There's only four things under our control. It's what we, or if I were speaking about me, or I were speaking about you, if I were speaking about me, I would say it's what I think, what I say, what I feel, and what I do. If I were speaking about you, I'd say, hey, you know, Sam, here's the reality. The truth of the matter is, it's only what you think, say, feel, or do that is totally under your control. Now, you're not going to find this on your paper. And if you're taking notes, awesome. And if you're not taking notes, I'm going to be doing a little recap and sending you some notes. So I will be sure to include this in that recap. I want to just take a minute here very quickly to remind those of you on the call or teach those of you on the call who this may not be a reminder for the definition of control. So, or, or caveat with control. So control is black and white. Control is a hundred percent. Okay. My best um, example of control that I use or metaphor for control is that control is kind of like pregnancy, right? You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. Okay. All the moms on the call or anyone who knows, you know, a woman who's been pregnant can understand this, right? When you conceive, when conception happens, you're pregnant. You're not a little pregnant, a lot of pregnant, sort of pregnant, sort of not pregnant. You are either pregnant or you're not pregnant. You might have a little belly or a big belly. You might be early on or further along. But the reality is you are or you're not pregnant, okay? That's how control is. It's really black and white. It's really all or nothing. For as much as I'm not a big fan of that all or nothing thinking, when it comes to control, control is all or nothing. Okay? So when we talk about control, I don't teach that you can kind of control what you think or kind of control what you say or sort of control what you feel or somewhat control what you do. Nope. It's 100%. 
So we have 100% control over those four things and only those four things, right? That means there's a lot out there that's not under our control. That's everything else. So in the middle of your page right there on your screen, you'll see everything else that we do not have control over. So everything else besides what we think, say, feel, or do is under our influence, okay? While we don't have control, we do have the ability, some may call it even the power of influence, right? If you learn the skill set, if you learn the skill set of coaching, hey, at the end of the day, you know what the skill set is? It's a skill set of influence. My job as a coach is to influence my clients so that they achieve what they want to achieve. My job as a parent is to influence my kids to make the best decisions that'll bring them what they want out of life or will, you know, to influence my children so that they make the best decisions so that they're decent human beings, okay? Whatever the case may be, it's influence. So I will do whatever it takes. This is one of the reasons why I actually got into coaching in the first place was because at that point in time, I had three children. I just had my third um, child, my, my second son, which is my third child. And I really was looking for anything and everything that I could uh, you know, learn, digest, execute that would help me in that role of a mom. And I understood early on through my own personal journey of coaching that influence is where that's where I needed to, to, to become a master. Okay? Because once you have influence, you can help to guide and move a person. You still can't control them, right? I do my best to influence my children to make good decisions, to influence my children to speak kindly to one another. And oh, good Lord, I'd love to tell you that means they do that every day, all day. And that's just not the case, right? However, I do believe that I can, I am effective with influence. It doesn't mean that it's 100% of the time. And I know that influence, like emotional mastery, and we're going to talk about this throughout the call, is a daily practice, right? Just because I influence someone today doesn't mean that that influence is going to stay with them the next day and the next day and the next day. It's a daily practice and it's a lifelong commitment. So now we understand. We understand that we have this thing called control. There are truly and honestly only four areas that we have 100% control over, what we think, what we say, what we feel, and what we do. Everything else is under our influence, okay? So here's what that means. Emotional mastery is taking control of what is under our control and then building effective strategies for what is under our influence. Okay. There's a lot wrapped up in that one sentence. Okay. So the first step is we got to take control of what is under our control. We have to take control and access our personal responsibility to control what we think, what we say, what we feel and what we do. Then everything else, we're gonna build effective strategies for what we can influence, right? So anything outside of those four areas, we're gonna build effective strategies for what we can influence. When we don't take control of what is under our control, okay? So if you've ever been in this situation, gone through something in your life, 
I know that when I see clients, sometimes they present with, with these challenges where they're not taking personal responsibility. They're not taking control of what is under their control. Right? To an extreme, that is called a victim mentality. So if we are in a victim mentality, a victim mentality is one that says like, woe is me. And all these bad things happen to me in life. And it just, no matter what I say, no matter what I do, no matter, you know, all my thoughts, all my feelings, you know, I, I, I don't have control over it. And that's a victim mentality. And here's the truth, guys. There's no empowerment in being a victim. And when you're participating in a victim mentality, you're not taking control of what is under your control. Now, it's not always easy, right? And a probably better way of saying that is some days it may take less effort where some days it takes more effort. I met with a client today who was really struggling with her emotional state surrounding a pattern of depression. And when you know she is knee deep in that pattern of depression, she's not taking control of what she is thinking or what she's saying and definitely, you know, not what she's doing or feeling. You know, and, and this, each four of those categories affect one another. So the first step is obviously awareness, you know, to, 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 for her to have that awareness that she has the ability to control, but then for her to, to actually take action. So, you know, sometimes we get caught up in all, wow, you know, I control all those four things and where do I start and how do I take control of all those things? And, and at the same time, you know, uh, master this, these strategies of influence. We well, have to start somewhere, right? And we can't look at the strategies for what is, what is or what, yeah, we can't look at the strategies for what is under our influence when we're not taking control of what we can control. Okay, that has to be the first step. So I'm going to pause here just for a second. I want to just look at my um, chat and open up if anyone does have any questions to ask a couple questions before we move on to the next page. But it's really, really important, guys. This is a core foundation in coaching. Whether you come to a seminar, um, well, any seminar you come to, I'm going to talk about control. Whenever anyone does a complimentary session with me, I'm going to talk about control. Heck, if I meet a stranger at a networking event, don't be surprised if within the first 10 minutes of talking, I'm, I'm talking about this, about control and, you know, really taking, taking that control of what's under our control because it's that important. All right, so let's move on here. Let's go to page two. So we understand control, okay? So emotions or emotional states, guys, going back to the four things that are under our control, when I do teach this and I say, I go through the four categories, I'll often follow up with a question and ask, which of the four categories, so I'm gonna go back just for a second. Sorry, guys, gonna go back here. So which of the four categories, what you say or what you think, what you say, what you feel and what you do, which one do you think is the most challenging for people to really embrace and adopt that um, they have control over? And I know the answer already because I remember what was my answer. I remember when I learned about these, top, these four categories in my life that was under my control. And I remember that I, I got it. I understood, okay, I can control what I think. 
right? I, I can, you know, if I have a thought that isn't a positive thought, I can change it and, you know, make sure I'm having positive thoughts or, yeah, I got the thoughts. Okay, I totally understood the say, right? I understand that I make that decision and that choice to open my mouth and have whatever words come out. And the doing, yeah, well, of course, that that's again that's being responsible for what you do right it's you know it's the whole saying i forget i was i was watching something earlier i forget what it was but it'll come to me but you know oh it was it was a, a little silly video on facebook of making making fun of you know things that moms say and you know there was that famous or that old that old saying hey so if your friend jumped off a bridge would you jump off too right we have control over what we do got it and then it came to that fourth category which on your page is the third one but the fourth category that i had to accept <laughs> that i had control over and reminding myself that control was absolute 100 percent, and it was that word feel or feeling and i really struggled really struggled and truth be told in my challenging days even now i struggle with that okay I struggle with the fact that we can 100% control how we feel. It happens rarely now after, you know, again, like I said, over a decade of immersing myself in personal development and personal growth and taking full responsibility, it doesn't happen all that often. However, in the beginning, it happened all the time. And for most of my clients, for most people who come into the, the coaching environment and are hearing this whole you know, control thing for the first time, this is where we struggle. We struggle that we can control our feelings because oftentimes feelings feel, feelings feel like they just happen. I mean, I, I can remember learning this and thinking, no, 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 I can't control it. You know, my daughter knocks over a glass of milk and I get angry. I, don't, I can't control that, it just happens. And what I realized and what I teach is, let's put control aside for a second. There's something, there, there's a difference between reacting and responding. So here's the truth, right? The truth is that I have a reaction. So my daughter spills a cup of milk, yells at me, the person cuts you off in traffic, um, you know, my ex-husband doesn't respond to text, text, whatever it is, something happens. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit later as a trigger. That's what it is. And then I react and then you react. Okay. So reactions happen. Yes. And reactions are different than responding. Okay? So when we talk about the emotional states or, or, or mastering your emotions or your emotional state, it's really, really key to understand that there are two areas here. There are two things that are at play or could be at play, something called reaction and something called responding, okay? So reaction is when, you know, you think about it, like oftentimes you've heard that phrase, it's a knee jerk reaction, okay? Reaction is when the trigger is in control, not necessarily you, okay? Or, I'm sorry, a better way for me to say that, the trigger has so much influence that you or I or we feel that that ability, that control of responding um, or controlling our feelings is much, diff much more difficult because that trigger has so much power, so much emotional attachment. Okay? Responding 
is when it's not necessarily about the actual trigger. It's not about what's going on. It's about us. It's about me accessing my ability to 100% control how I feel and then what I say, what I think, and what I do and respond rather than just react. So at the heart of it, emotional mastery consists of that. It consists of accessing your ability to respond rather than react. So if you think about somebody that you know in your life who is, is a master or you feel like, you know, from what you, what you have seen, really masters their emotional state. In other words, these are the people who keep their calm under pressure, right? Who no matter what's going on, like, have you ever known someone who the house, you know, everything could be in a house with this person and, you know, everything could be burning down around them shit's hitting the fan left or right, excuse my French, and this person doesn't lose their cool, stays grounded, focused, right? That's emotional mastery. They're accessing their ability to respond rather than react. That's what we strive for. Now, here's the thing, because here's the next sentence here. Emotional mastery is an ongoing practice consisting of responding, okay? It's not a one and done, right? Again, I'm going to go back to, because oftentimes I'll do this, I, you know, sessions that I had from today are top of my mind. I'll go back with, uh, go back to the session I uh, referenced earlier, the client I'm working with who's really struggling knee deep in her pattern of depression. And she's also experiencing something else that I, that I teach them. Um, She's really knee deep in a pattern of what's called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness is when we stay, if we stay too long in patterns such as depression, anxiety, um, sadness, where we feel like there's not a way out, okay? Um, and just to give you, again, some bonus information here, there's how you know someone's in learned helplessness is oftentimes they have adopted the, what I call the three Ps. So the three Ps or the three indicators of learned helplessness are that they believe that it's permanent, personal and pervasive. So permanent means it can't change. Personal means it's because of who they are. And pervasive means it's everywhere in their life. Okay. So she's, you know, knee deep in this, this pattern. And it's a pattern of depression um, that's also learned helplessness because she does believe that it's, you know, it's all about her. It's affecting every area of her life. And she's questioning whether or not it can change. Okay. And we've talked today about there's no magic pill or a magic wand, right? It's, it's not. Nothing, nothing I provide in coaching is a magic wand or a quick fix. That's a better way of saying it, okay? It's a, it's a skill set. It's a tool bag. You learn tools. You put them in your bag when you're done coaching. Not even when you're done, you know, through the process of coaching. Really, after the first session of coaching with me, we put some tools in your tool bag, you leave, you practice, you take tools out of your tool bag when you're out, you know, in the quote unquote real world and you need your tools, okay? It's an ongoing practice though for the rest of our lives, right? If you're committed to living a, you know, living your best life, living a fulfilled life, then we're always growing, 
and there's always going to be challenges and the triggers will never completely leave. So emotional mastery is an ongoing practice as well. You know, mastery can be, can be kind of a funny word because we think, oh, I've achieved emotional mastery. Yes, yes. And we all strive for a certain level of emotional mastery. We all strive to be that person that I described, you know, that leader or that influencer. And, and this is not for anyone else besides ourselves, right? I want to be that mother for my children. If something's happening that I can be grounded and I can be focused and I can, you know, keep my calm, okay? And I know that at best, I will be able to achieve that the majority of the time. And we're also human. I'm human. You guys are human. Even the most amazing, you know, I often reference, you know, Tony Robbins, the king of coaching, like, oh, Matt, he's a master at his emotional state. I am sure even Tony Robbins has his challenges and loses his cool and gets caught in reacting rather than responding. You know how I know that? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, because he has a pulse. He's a human being. And that's how we're all wired, right? So we do our best. We have to make consistent, continual effort. And we have to practice this. Practice responding rather than reacting, okay? So the last thing it says here on this page is by learning certain tools and techniques, you supercharge or you can supercharge your ability to achieve most emotional mastery. So my ability at this stage of where I am after practicing his tools and techniques for over 10 years is much further along than it was 10 years ago. Okay. Um, you know, not to the finish line because still have a pulse, still alive, thank God. Right. So I'm not to the finish line, but I'm much further along in my quest and in my practice of emotional mastery. And that's because I am able to access my ability to respond rather than react. So again, I'm going to pause here, take a sip of my water, give you guys a moment to ask any questions, whether it's via the chat, via out loud, you know, ask a question, and then we'll move on to the next slide. All right, so before I go into the next slide, um, because this is going to lead into the next slide, which is gonna give you guys some tools and techniques. Remember I said at the beginning of the call, I wanted to lay some foundation, talk about our subject, but I really want you guys to leave this call with some tools and techniques. Before I do that, I wanna also add here with the whole reaction versus response or responding. A great example of this that I use in my seminars is if you remember years ago, I think it was actually back in the 1950s, but I learned about it first sometime in school. And then again, when I was doing my coaching certification, there was a scientist by the name of Ivan Pavlov. And so Ivan Pavlov was a Russian scientist and he did an experiment with dogs. So oftentimes, if you remember this or you were taught this in school or you've heard of it, it's, it's called, you know, have you ever heard of Pavlov's dogs? That, you know, that's kind of what this, 
experiment is referred to often. So what Ivan did was he was studying human behavior. And more, more specifically, he was studying why we do what we do, or what's also known as nature versus nurture. So when I say nature, nature would be innately how we are made, what our personality is. Nurture is how our environment affects us. So Ivan Pavlov did a study. He wanted to see how this nature versus nurture played out. And he decided to use dogs. So he took a dog. And when you give a dog, when you present a dog with food, a bowl of food, a hot dog, whatever, any kind of food, you put food in front of a dog, what does a dog naturally do? So naturally, every dog, it doesn't matter what the breed is, what the age is, what country they live in, <laughs> doesn't matter. Every dog by nature, when you present it with food, the dog starts to salivate. It starts to drool. Okay, doesn't matter what the food is. Again, it, this is 100% this is what the dog does. Okay, so what Ivan Pavlov did was he presented a bowl of food, the dog drooled, okay, took the food away. Did it again, presented a bowl of food, dog drooled, took the food away. Did it again, presented a bowl of food, dog drooled, took the food away. Okay, got it. He totally understands nature, we see it there. So to test nurture, what he did next was he presented the dog with a bowl of food and rang a bell. So almost, almost at the same time, so I'm not even gonna try and say that word right now, almost at the same time, presented the bowl of food, rang a bell, dog salivated or drooled. Food, bell, dog drooled. Food, bell, dog drooled. Again, did it a couple times, okay? Then to test the whole theory of nurture or what I'm also gonna call conditioning, he presented the bowl of food, rang the bell, dog salivated, took it away. The next time, he did not put the food out. He just rang a bell. The dog salivated. No food, only a bell. And the dog salivated. Why did that happen? Nature versus nurture, or the other word that I use in coaching is called conditioning. So what Ivan Pavlov did with the dogs was he conditioned the dogs to associate the ringing of the bell with the food. Okay. And dogs don't have the ability to access any other type of response. So what happened is when the bell rang, they just drooled. We as human beings are sometimes that way as well. Right? So I say this lovingly and jokingly, we can be just like dogs, right? Or we can fall into that pattern of reaction rather than responding of hearing a bell and acting a certain way. Okay. But the difference is we do have a choice. The dogs didn't have a choice. And they didn't have a choice. They, they are not, their brain is not wired. It is not developed to say, okay, hmm, that's a bell, but there's no food, so I shouldn't drool. They're not wired with a brain like that. They're wired more simplistic and 
had learned a pattern, right? They had learned a pattern. They had conditioned a pattern. When the bell rang, they drooled, whether there was food or not, okay? This is at the core of reaction versus response. So in that situation, if the dogs had a different type of brain, if they were more evolved, they could stop and say, again, this is, you know, kind of silly to think about, but if they had this capacity, if they had the same capacity that we have as human beings, when they heard that bell, they could pause and, and say to themselves, or out loud again, if they could talk, very simplistic here, oh, I heard a bell, but I don't see any food. So why would I drool for a bell? I drool for food and there's no food. So I'm not going to drool. Okay. So in other words, if I just tie this back to the reaction versus response, they would not react by drooling. They would respond and they wouldn't drool because there's no food. Okay. This is such a great example of how we get stuck. We get stuck as human beings in this pattern. A trigger presents itself. So something happens. I'll go back to the examples I used earlier. You know, my daughter spills her cup of milk. The person cuts you off in traffic. You know, your coworker gives you a certain look. That's the trigger. Or to relate this to Ivan and his dogs, that's the bell. Okay. The bell is rung. We have a choice. It happens in a split second. That see, and I think that is the hardest part about all this is that we create emotions or feelings that, you know, so, so quickly that unless we make a conscious effort to pause, to actually stop, to remind ourselves that we have a choice. We have a choice. The dogs did not, but we do as human beings. We have a choice on how we're going to respond. We have a choice on whether we are going to respond or whether we're gonna react. We have a choice and we have 100% control let me scroll up for you guys again, over what we think, what we say, what we feel, and what we do. Dogs do not, but we do as human beings, okay? So the biggest takeaway from tonight, again, I'm gonna give you heart, I'm gonna give you actually tools to back this up, but guys, if you leave with anything, I want you to remember we're not dogs, okay? Men and women alike, we're not dogs. We have the ability to access a choice, to, to, to access our response, to make a choice, right? So if we should choose, we can access our ability to respond. We do not have to fall prey to the conditioning. Okay. All right. So here it is, guys. I'm gonna go over three tools or techniques that can help you, right? So like I said, I want you to leave this call. I hope your head is somewhat healthily or in a healthy manner spinning now. You know, I hope that there's been some aha moments for you where you realize, wow, gosh, I, I get it. I get it now. I understand these. I understand, you know, trying to control things that are under, not under my control. That's called stress. I understand how you know conditioning how nature versus nurture or again what i call in in coaching the law of conditioning right i understand how we can get you know just get totally it's like we have blinders on and not see other options so that's awesome remember that's knowledge you're learning something and we need to take it to the next level because if you leave this call with only knowledge if you leave this call only learning principles 
then you can't do what will make the biggest impact in your life and that's take action. So let me go over these three tools and techniques that can help you take action. So the first one, trigger and target turnaround. So I mentioned earlier about triggers, right? I mentioned that we have the, the, you know, triggers or stimulus or something that happens, something that presents in our life. You know, for the dogs, it was a bowl of food, right? I mentioned triggers like the way a coworker looks at you or my daughter spilling her milk, you know, anything that happens. So a trigger can be something like that. It can be a look somebody gives you. A trigger can also be an event, okay, or, or a specific target. So you could write there, when I send this to you, or if you're taking notes, you could write there next to target event as well, okay? Because events can be targets or can be, I'm sorry, events can also, you know, uh, influence us, okay? So the first step in a, tar in a trigger or and target turnaround is that we have to identify it. We have to know potential triggers. Like I know triggers in my life where if I'm not paying attention, if I'm not committed to emotional mastery, I may get caught reacting rather than responding. Okay. I know targets. I know events. Okay. I also know that just because these triggers may be there, just because these events happened or the targets are still out there, it doesn't mean I can't access my ability to respond. Okay. So one of the tools that you can use, one of the techniques that you can use, make a list. So think about areas of your life where you struggle with your emotional state. Okay. I'll give you guys an example in my life. One of the areas, probably the greatest area that I struggle with my emotional state is parenting, is my children. Okay. And my triggers there, my targets and events, right? So, so if I were doing this technique, and I have, about a gazillion times, just so you guys know. <laughs> so what I would do is I would actually write out triggers, like write out triggers such as triggers um, for me with my children are, you know, when they're not listening to me, when I've had to raise my voice, when, um, when they're fighting with each other, that's a trigger, um, targets or events, when they lied to me or disobeyed me. Okay. These are all triggers, targets, and events that if I'm not aware of them could really send me spiraling into a pattern of reacting rather than responding. Okay. And from the viewpoint of a technique or a tool, what I would do is I would put these all out on paper. So all I'd make a list, make a list of the triggers, the targets, the events. Okay. And I would put the, the so the turnaround is okay and I think the best way to do this is I'll take an actual personal example of a time when I was triggered right a time when you know again dinner time tends to be crazy in my house with five kids all different ages and lots of noise and just it can be a little crazy um so a trigger could be you know my daughter spills her cup of milk um my son punches his brother right and in the past, so, I, so I'll identify that trigger and I'll note that in the past when that trigger is presented, what, if I react and not respond, I start to yell. I start to get angry. Right? My turnaround here could be offering myself 
different ways to re to respond, right? Is realizing, and so just putting this, so to do this technique and to utilize this tool, the first step is you gotta know what your triggers, targets, and events are. Put them down on paper, okay? Also put down on paper how up until this time you have reacted or what has been the consequence of this trigger event target presenting itself. Okay. Then we wanna come up with something that counters that, right? So for me, this would look like trigger is, you know, my son kicks his brother. In the past, I have freaked out and freak out for me is a, freaked out is uh, two words that sums up, you know, yelling, getting angry, uh, you know, banging my fist down on the table. This is what that looks like for me, right? So that's what I've done in the past. My turnaround here is my response rather than reaction is, okay, I'll take a deep breath in, which you're going to, I'm going to talk about with our next technique here. I'm going to take a deep breath in and I'm going to calmly, without raising my voice, express how I'm feeling and ask my son not to do that. So I'm going to take a deep breath in. I can change my intonation, but I'm going to control how I communicate to my son that I am not happy with his behavior and it needs to stop. So I'm going to do this. So if when I'm doing this tool, when I'm utilizing this tool and technique, I'm going to list all these things down on paper. So I have these options and then I'm going to practice it. Right. So then I'm going to get back to emotional mastery is all in the conditioning and the practicing. Okay. The more that I practice that turnaround, the more that that trigger, that target, that event happens and I access my ability to respond, the easier it gets. Okay, so that's the trigger target event turnaround exercise and tool. Okay. Highly recommend all three of these tools, right? All right, so let's go on to the second one. So the second one you'll see on your paper there is pause, breathe, and respond. Okay. So you heard me say that this is one of my, um, my go-tos, breathing. I love breathing, which sounds so funny to say, and hopefully you love it too, because if you didn't, you know, we wouldn't be here. So I love the power of our breath. That's a better way for me to say that. I love that we can use our breaths, our breathing to help us do so many different things and definitely influence our emotional state is one of them. So the Number one difference between reacting and responding. I said earlier that a lot of times reaction, there's that common phrase of a knee-jerk reaction. I've never heard anyone say a knee-jerk response okay? because the difference is that responding is not knee-jerk. Responding, by nature of responding, there's a pause, okay? It isn't bell rings, we drool, okay? There's a pause. So we can actually practice this as a technique. We can practice that we can pause, right? When these triggers present, we can actually pause and do nothing. So when my daughter spills her cup of milk at the dinner table, when that person cuts me off in traffic, right? Or, you know, 
someone, you know, at a board meeting shoots me a deadly look, I don't have to do anything. I can actually access my ability and just pause. That's an ability, an ability I have, which is to do nothing and pause. Okay. The next step in this technique would be pause, do not react, don't say anything, don't do anything, okay? And breathe. Whether it's a deep breath, a shallow breath, but breathe. Take a breath in, exhale a breath out. So now we paused, taken a breath in, exhaled a breath out. And I'm gonna to explain to you in the next technique, uh, you know, I'll reiterate why this breathing is so powerful again in that technique, okay? And then we can respond, right? So I'll pause, I'm gonna breathe, and then I'm gonna choose what I want to say, the way I want to say it, in other words, what words I wanna use, what intonation I wanna use, what body language I want to display. All from that place of responding, accessing my ability to respond. This is probably out of the three, the most simple <laughs> technique or tool, although all three of them aren't really that complex, but this is probably the most simple in learning, in that knowledge, very basic, and still equally as challenging at times in application. However, the best thing about any kind of tool you learn through coaching or any kind of technique, the more you do it, the more you're conditioning yourself to do it. So it gets easier. And the third tool or technique you see listed on your page here, this is called the triad transformation. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of uh, extra material here, not on your page, but or a little bit of a setup here. Let me explain to you what a triad is. So your emotional state we talked about an emotional state or another way for me to describe that is the pattern of an emotion your triad it's called the triad because it consists of three things so anytime that you are feeling an emotion you're basically running a recipe okay emotions are a pattern so whether it's feeling happy, it's feeling sad, it's feeling loved, it's feeling excited, it's feeling pensive, it's feeling ecstasy, all these different feelings, all these different emotional states, they follow a recipe that has three ingredients. The three ingredients are what we call the triad. And guys, just so you know, this comes directly from Tony Robbins. You can Google triad. Go to YouTube, you can watch videos, he'll teach on this. Okay. He'll, he'll, he'll reiterate, or I shouldn't even say he'll reiterate. He'll, he'll teach what I'm actually reiterating, right? taken directly from Tony Robbins, this thing called the triad. So the triad, again, if you have your notebook out, jot it down. If not, I'm gonna do some, I'm gonna send you guys some bullet points here. The triad consists of three things. Your recipe for any emotional state has three ingredients. The first ingredient, is language. I'm sorry, let me do this in order rather, rather. The first ingredient is physiology, okay? Physiology, physiology is a fancy word for what we do with our body, okay? So physiology consists of um, the look on your face, right? So whether you're smiling, frowning, scowling, 
okay? Whatever that look is on your face, that's physiology. It's the way that you stand or the way that you're sitting. It's what you're doing with your body. Are your shoulders forward? Are your shoulders back? Is your head up? Is your head down? Are you sitting? Are you standing? Okay. Breathing. Breathing falls in the category of physiology in the triad. So are you breathing deeply? Are you breathing shallow? Are you breathing short? Are you breathing long breaths? Is it soft breaths, loud breaths, any kind of breathing? Okay. Uh, head position. Is your head forward? Is your head to the side? Okay. Anything with your body. The other thing that falls into physiology is anything that affects your biochemistry. So hydration. If you're dehydrated, that affects your that's your body chemistry and it affects your physiology, right? It affects your brain, okay? Um, sleep deprived, uh, under the influence, anything that changes the, your biochemistry, that changes your physiology, okay? So in the triad transformation, number one, first of the three, physiology. Number two, language. So language, this is not only what we say out loud, not only the language that you hear, words that you hear, you say to somebody else, but it's also your self-talk. It's also the language inside your head, okay? More importantly, most of the time, actually, is that self-talk, okay? So language, what you say out loud, what you say in, 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 um, inside your head. And language consists of not just words, okay? But it's, it is, it's words, it's tonality, and it's body language. When we talk about communication, I teach about communication, I follow the principle, and I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but if you do, again, you can Google this and find out. Um, there's actually credit to somebody who did this breakdown um, of communication. And communication is said to be only 7% of communication are the words that you say. 7%. Totally crazy, right? Next category, tonality. So tonality is your volume, it's your pitch, it's your timbre, right? That's 38%. So 38% of the language that we say is, or I'm sorry, 38% of communication is tonality. 7% words, 38% tonality. The remainder of the language that we use or the communication that we, I'm sorry, the the remainder of communication, right? So we have language, uh, we have words, tonality. The remainder is body language. So 55%, a whopping 55% of our communication is body language. So when we think about the triad, we think about, we have the number one category is physiology. The number two is language. This includes what we say out loud and what we say in our head. That's our communication. And you got to think about it on all three levels. It's the words that we choose to say. It's the tonality that we say it. And it's what we're doing. It's our body language, right? Which also ties back to our physiology. And the third part of the triad transformation, or the third part of triad, rather, is our focus and our beliefs. So remember that the triad is like a recipe. It's a recipe for an emotional state. It consists of your physiology, your language, and 
your focus and beliefs. So what are you focusing on? Okay. So if we look at this from an emotional state, okay, we know that every emotional state follows the triad. Every emotional state follows a recipe. And three things are at play with the recipe, language, physiology, and focus and belief. So let's take an emotional state, okay? So if there's an emotional state that you don't like, that you feel a lot, right? An emotion you feel like you can't control, an emotion you'd like to master. For example, my client today, right? Deep in that pattern of depression. She has an emotional state of depression and she doesn't like it. She wants to change it and master a different emotion. She can use this tool called a triad transformation, okay? So what we would do with the triad transformation is we would take that pattern of depression and we make three columns, okay? We'd look at her recipe and the three ingredients. That's why we, you know, this works really well to do this in person as an actual exercise and then jot it down on paper at the same time. So on the paper, we'd have three columns. It would say physiology in one column, language in the other column, and then focus or and or focus slash <laughs> beliefs in the third column. And we'd fill everything out, okay? Again, the reason that I call this also a recipe is because think about like if you wanted to make a chocolate cake. So a very simple chocolate cake, you'd have three ingredients, chocolate cake mix, egg, and oil, okay? Three ingredients. So from a recipe standpoint, her emotional state of depression has three ingredients, but let's look at each of those ingredients. So her physiology, when she practices this pattern of depression, when she practices this emotional state, what does she do with her body? Okay, so we can list, and again, for, simplic for simplicity, for this demonstration of this exercise, we'll say, I'm gonna list three things, although she could have a list of 12 to 15 to 20, 25 things she does with her body, but let's talk about just three things. So when she is feeling depressed, she, her shoulders are forward and rounded, her breathing is very slow and shallow, okay? And her head is down, her head position is down. So there's three things we can identify with her physiology. Then we wanna go to the next column. What is her language? So when she is feeling depressed or running a pattern of depression in that emotional state of depression, what is she saying? Whether she's talking to her friend, family member, therapist, whether she's talking to herself, okay? So three things that she's saying. This is not good. What if I never get better? I'm just getting worse. So these are three things that she continually says to herself, okay? And the third thing is, where is her focus going? And guys, the reason why focus is third is because what she does, what we do, anybody does with their physiology and their language will direct focus. So we know beyond a shadow of doubt that if she's shoulders forward, head down, breathing the way that she's breathing if she's saying things like this isn't good my life will not get any better you know i'm 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 a loser or whatever she's saying we know that her focus is going to be reflective of that so her focus is on 
things not getting better, things getting worse, right? Her feelings intensifying, her, she feeling more helpless. And that's where her focus is going to go. So in a very digestible, simple format, we have the three ingredients. We see, okay, this is what depression looks like. This is what that emotional state looks like. This is how that emotion presents. Now, if we want to change our emotional state, if we want to change how we feel, we can because we've already accepted that that's 100% under our control. And here's how we're going to do it by using the tool of a triad transformation. We are going to change the recipe. We're going to pick a different recipe. We no longer want to make chocolate cake, right? We no longer want to create the emotional state of depression. So we're not going to use that recipe. We're going to use a different recipe. Okay? We're going to change what we do with our body, change what we do with our language, and change where our focus goes. So again, in a very simple way, what this looks like is we are going to transform that triad. So instead of shoulders being down, shoulder being forward, um, head being down, breath being you know long and shallow, we're going to put our shoulders back, raise our head, put a smile on our face, okay? That's the number one thing we were talking about today. Smile, you cannot, there's been studies done at Ivy League colleges on this. You cannot smile and feel depressed. It doesn't work that way, okay? You cannot use vanilla cake mix and expect a chocolate cake, right? So change the physiology, change your language. The most powerful way to change language and focus, this is both, it's really focused, but your language supports it, is through gratitude. Through gratitude. Gratitude is the only emotional state that only exists in abundance, right? So instead of saying things are never going to get better, okay, you can counter that with every day gets a little bit better. You can counter that with gratitude. I am grateful for the breath I'm able to take. I am grateful for the people I love, okay? So saying these things out loud and to yourself, different language. And again, the third part is that focus. What are you focusing on? So I'll go back to the power of gratitude. Gratitude can only happen in a state of abundance. I just said that, I know, I'm gonna repeat it, okay? What I mean by that is when you are practicing gratitude, when you are feeling grateful, creating the emotional state of gratitude, you are only appreciating, you're only noticing what is, what, what is, what you have. There's no scarcity in gratitude, okay? In any other emotional state, you can find scarcity, but not in gratitude because gratitude is all about what you have and the abundance. So that is the triad transformation, okay? I would say that each one, I wanna say each one of these techniques and tools are helpful, right? And the magic, if you're really committed, if you, know, you popped on this call tonight or you're listening to this recording because you're really struggling with your emotions, you're really, you know, you're really curious and really looking for a change, then you wanna practice all three of these tools and techniques right? They're all three so powerful. 
And if I had to pick one starting place for you, I would say that triad transformation because that can help you and that will help you in life. And it's something that you can do anytime, anywhere. So I'm going to pause just for a moment, take a sip of my water, open it up for questions here. If there aren't any questions, then we're going to take a minute. I'm going to wrap up with a few uh, closing remarks, remind you guys that I'm going to send you the recording, going to send you these, this PDF of our little workbook and also some other notes that I have for you. But think of any questions that you may have. Give me 30 seconds to, like I said, take a couple sips of water and we'll wrap up. All right. So we're back. Hey, I want to thank you guys so much for hanging in with me for spending time. Um, I know how valuable and precious time is. It's the only thing in life that we can't get back, right? Uh, we talked about this thing called gratitude and abundance. And I'd love to say we have an abundance of time, but it's the one thing that unfortunately we, we don't always have an abundance of time. So I don't take it very lightly that you have set aside this time to spend it learning about emotional mastery with me. So I do appreciate that and want to share my gratitude with you. And looking forward to hearing from you guys what you took away from this training. So I'm just turning the page here or scrolling down for you guys. Um, to recap, we talked tonight about control. So we started off this call, spent a good amount of time talking about control, what is under our control, and a reminder that everything else that's not under our control. So if it doesn't fall on those under those four categories of what we think, what we say, what we feel, and what we do, then it's under our influence and not our control. Remember, the definition of stress is trying to control things that are out of our control. Then we moved on to reaction versus response. And I, I mentioned my good old friend, Ivan Pavlov, and the experiment he did with dogs and what we call in coaching as the law of conditioning. So the important takeaway from there is that we have choice and we have the ability or we can access our ability to respond rather than react. We don't have to be dogs. And then I left you with some actual tools and techniques. So some good takeaways, some things that you can start to practice and put into action because I want you guys to remember that while knowledge is great, and it is a first step. Knowledge is not power, okay? It's when you use that knowledge and you turn that knowledge into action, that's where the true power is. So hopefully you're ready to learn more and take the next step, whether that means for you, maybe you'll Google Ivan Pavlov, maybe you'll listen to this call again, and hopefully, and I don't even wanna say hopefully because hope is not a strategy, and after you do that, you will take action. You'll practice these tools, put these techniques into play, and notice a difference in your life.
And if you're looking for something a little bit more, I want to encourage you guys to schedule your complimentary coaching session. So one of the things that we offer at Ignite Your Light Coaching is that you can come in or so you can come in, come into the office and do it live in person, or you can schedule a Zoom call just like this and we can do it virtually. But we offer a complimentary coaching session to everybody. It's a great, great uh experience. Great way to spend. Um, actually, I schedule them for 90 minutes, even though it's, it's a 60 minute complimentary coaching session. But I like to schedule it for 90 minutes because really I like to dig in deep. And I want you to experience what it means to coach one on one with one of our coaches, whether it's me or one of our other coaches on our, our team here. So we schedule it for 90 minutes so that you get 60 to 75 minutes of coaching. You'll leave that session with so much value. And then we just add about 15 minutes on the back end so we can talk about the best path for you to continue your growth. So I totally recommend this. You have nothing to lose. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be worth your time because I guarantee, I promise you that you're going to leave with value. So if you've not taken advantage of this offer, schedule your complimentary coaching session today. Go to our website. You can book it right on our, well, you can fill out a form on our website and then we'll book it. Facebook me, message me, text me. All this information is out there and available. I want to hear from you. So if you are ready for that next step, please, 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 you owe it to yourself. Do that. If you don't already follow us on Facebook, please follow us on Facebook at Ignite Your Light Coaching. If you're not friends with me, that makes me sad. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm good. Um, and I love friends. So you can also friend me on Facebook. It's just my name, Kira Smale. We have an Instagram account as well. That's Ignite Kira Smale. So you can follow us there too. And that's it. Thanks for hanging in, guys. It's a little bit after eight here, but this has been awesome. So much great stuff. Look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Kira Smale with Ignite Your Light Coaching. Have a great night.